Garcia, Republican from California's 27th Congressional District. But we've, we've got to start taking better care of our law enforcement officers. And, and my uh, my thoughts and uh, just go out to this uh, just wrecked family now as a result of this, uh, this brutal monster uh, executing uh, a sheriff in broad daylight. 30-year-old Deputy Ryan Klinkenbrumer was shot Saturday evening outside the Palmdale Sheriff's Station and died at a hospital. He had just gotten engaged four days earlier. Hunter Biden has filed a lawsuit against the Internal Revenue Service. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. In the suit, the president's son argues that two IRS agents violated his right to privacy when they publicly aired his tax information. The lawsuit says the agents targeted and sought to embarrass him by sharing confidential information in press interviews and testimony before Congress. It's the latest development in Hunter Biden's legal and political struggles with the Justice Department. Last week, he was indicted on federal firearms charges. Greg Clugston, Washington. Canada is expelling a top Indian diplomat as it investigates what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau calls credible allegations that India's government may have had links to the assassination in Canada of a Sikh activist. Trudeau says Canadian intelligence agencies are looking into the allegations after Sikh leader Hardeep Singh Nijar was gunned down June 18th outside a cultural center in British Columbia. On Wall Street, the Dow by six points, the Nasdaq rose two, the S&P advanced three. More on these stories at townhall.com. Paid for by the David Pollock Show, LLC. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome when Welcome to another exciting David Pollock show. Uh, I'm back in the uh, nicer looking studio here. <laughs> I like to play musical studios. So for those of you at home uh, who are listening, uh, you don't see my musical studios, but I go back and forth between the American Adversary Studio and then this nice uh, national studio here. So uh, for those of you who watch the stream, I like to just keep it interesting. You never know where I'm going to be. So uh, tonight we're talking about um, the right versus the right because right now there seems to be a battle brewing in the republican party um <laughs> we're gonna talk tonight we're gonna talk about all these things that republicans are fighting about um from the short-term spending bill which i'm sure you've been hearing a lot about in the news um to even trump's comments on abortion it seems clear that there's two paths ahead for the party and i'm not sure which one uh is going to move forward and who's going to be left behind so tonight we're just going to look into all the different issues that republicans are fighting about and kind of let's see what's going on and where we're heading and I, if 
If we're lucky, uh, Congressman Corey Mills is going to try to join us tonight to talk about that budget fight. I know there are some votes going on right now, um, but later on in the show, we have a special guest. Gavin Wax is going to join us and to talk about all these issues. So it's going to be an exciting show tonight. But again, you guys only see me once a week. So I have to go through all of the things that went on since the last time we spoke. And of course, I'm sure you've heard. Actually, you probably haven't heard um, that Hunter Biden <laughs> has been indicted on gun charges. Um, the news hasn't been talking about it. Uh, some news has. I think you just heard it at the news at the break. Um, but basically, some people think the timing is suspicious as a way to shield Hunter from having to provide testimony to the House um, in his father's impeachment inquiry, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, here, Gabe, get cut one ready. Um, but I want you to I want you to hear what Donald Trump has to say about this indictment. Gabe, this is cut one. Take it away. While he gets that ready, I'll just kind of give you a preview of what he's talking about. So uh, Trump is talking about what he thinks um, about the the impeachment. I mean, I'm sorry, in the indictment. And he talks about being a slippery slope. And it's important because it leads in to a lot of things that I want to talk about. Gabe, when you have cut cut one ready, just go ahead. Okay. We're having some technical issues. I'll just go ahead and uh, we'll get back to that here in a second. Um, What Trump talks about in that clip is, you know, he says Trump things. But at the end, he says, you know, I've been indicted now four times and, you know, it's a slippery slope, he says. And which is interesting um, that he has that comment because basically, you know, this is what I've been saying is going to happen for a long time. Right. Uh, It happened first with Trump's two impeachments and The Republicans on the left or the Republicans were warning the left that if you bring these indictments. okay, Gabe has the clip. Just go ahead and take it. Let's talk about the breaking news today. We learned just a short time ago that the president's son, Hunter Biden, was indicted by a federal grand jury on three gun charges. Given that, Mr. President, can you continue to say that there are two systems of justice? Well, I think there's no question about it. He had a plea deal that was the deal of the century, uh, the art of the deal. You could write a book on it, the art of the deal. Uh, and all of a sudden, that was broken up by a judge who was able to, a brilliant judge, actually, who was able to see through what was happening. And it's a sad situation. I mean, nobody should be happy about this. I'm not happy about it. Nobody is. It's a very sad thing. It's so bad for our country. Uh, but, you know, if you think about it, I've been under investigation from the day I came down the escalator and a phony investigation, fake investigations, investigations that I beat every single time, still under investigations. But it's a very sad thing and it's a uh, slippery slope but Mr. and Ryan, dangerous, very dangerous for our country. Let's talk about the break. So what you heard there was the um, and again, I apologize for the technical difficulties. And I think I'm still streaming. <laughs> We'll see here. It's just a night. <laughs> Goodness. Anyway, so what Trump's talking about there um, is this slippery slope. And this is what I've mentioned before, um, that, uh, you know, essentially this is when you start to use this process as political and as it is, we can do it too. And when you start to indict Trump four different times, we can do it too. And this is essentially what Trump is saying. Say, look how many times it went after me. And now, it, now Hunter's been indicted. It's a slippery slope. And, you know, I've said this before in the past that I was worried about this. And I said, you know, and, I, and I, admittedly, I used to say, hey, 
Um, this concerns me because, you know, is this where we want to go? And I would always advocate. So maybe we shouldn't, um, you know, be impeaching people. or Maybe we shouldn't impeach Biden. Maybe we shouldn't be locking Hillary Clinton up. Maybe we should be like them. Maybe we should be better. Maybe that's what the American people are demanding of us. But then I started thinking about it. And here's the deal. Until the left starts to see the result of their actions, until there's impeachments, until until there's indictments on their side, until that happens, they're not going to understand what the challenges are. And and I'm going to talk about the shutdown stuff here in a minute. But this is directly related to the shutdown. Republicans are always so afraid if we do what they do that they're going to get blamed for it. And they won't be nice to Republicans. The media will be unfair. But the thing is, you're starting to see it. Now, Hunter's been indicted. Now there is a impeachment inquiry opened in the House against Joe Biden. You saw now also in Texas, I'm not sure if you saw the attorney general there, Ken Paxton. He was just cleared on his impeachment. There was actually brought by Republicans. Um, But he was cleared on his impeachment there, even though they still go after him. The FBI is investigating him. The state's investigating him. Guys, this is the new normal now. We're going to use law enforcement. We're going to use impeachment. The politics don't end at the voting booth anymore. Politics uh, is everything. We're going to use everything, whether it's the Justice Department, whether it's the courts, whether it's uh, impeachments, whatever. They seem to be using everything. And this is a dangerous precedent. But again, until we start using the tools that they've been using, I don't see how we show that this is the part where, uh, you know, maybe they need to stop. So then you, of course, have this. I don't know if you guys saw this again because the news isn't talking about it. Um, Georgia, uh, their Republican attorney general there in, announced indictments of 61 individuals, Antifa related, um, in RICO charges. Right. So now Donald Trump was charged with RICO charges in um, Fulton County. Well, now 61 Antifa are now. I think Antifa and Donald Trump should not ever be in the same sentence. Antifa actually did the things that they're being accused of doing. But nevertheless, but now you see what's happening. You do it. We do it. You do it. We do it. And again, this is just the beginning. Now, I'm not saying that this is a good thing for our country. It's not. I I really think this is a bad thing for our country. Um, But I will say that uh, until politicians, especially the ones on the left, start to see that this is what's going to end up happening, we need to stop. You know, I'm a conservative. I believe in peace through strength. Well, you can't be strong if you're not willing to get into the fight. And this is what getting into the fight looks like. So um, that's that's what Trump meant by the slippery slope, and he's 100% right. This is a slippery slope, and I think this is just the beginning of indictments and impeachments. And it's not okay for it to be the new normal. But it is. And the same thing you're going to start to see with voting, too. I mean, you're going to start seeing, um, quote unquote, ballot harvesting. You're going to start seeing, you know, groups. I mean, Trump is already advocating for vote by mail. If you're doing it, we're doing it. If you're doing it, we're doing it. If you want this fight, we're bringing it. And you know what? I'm kind of excited about it because gone are the days where Republicans just march like a, like the English army did in the Revolutionary War and then just get shot at the, by the, on the sides by, you know, the Americans. Uh, we are going to fight like they fight, and we're going to win. So uh, that's what the slippery slope looks like. Um, Elsewhere in the world that I'm sure you've heard uh, the news talking about, and I love, love, love this, 
Um, Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman out of Colorado, I'm sure you've seen that she was kicked out of a Beetlejuice play. I guess it's a musical. Apparently she was vaping, which I thought they endorsed in California. I thought they loved vaping in California. I mean, I'm sorry, California. Yeah, California too, but in Colorado. But apparently uh, Congresswoman Boebert was vaping and also, you know, getting a little flirty with uh, her date. Uh, and this upset some people, and she was swiftly removed. Now, there is some discussion about whether or not, you know, she was vaping, but the video shows that she was. Okay, fine, she was vaping. Whether or not she was kicked out for her bad behavior, who knows? But, of course, the left is losing their minds about it. Um, let's see what they're saying. Their point, uh, he, well, actually, even the right. <laughs> Here's Ann Coulter. Can't Colorado find some Republican not trashy and stupid to represent them in the 3rd Congressional District? And then, of course, the left is saying, but drag shows and transgender people are the ones being inappropriate in public around kids. So essentially, uh, Congresswoman Boebert having a nice date and maybe vaping a little is the same as um, grown men uh, doing inappropriate things butt naked at a, par- at a parade. Um, that's the same thing. We should compare those two. Or maybe it's the same things as, uh, you know, bare-chested post operative uh, trans women in the middle of the daytime at the White House. This is what we're comparing uh, Lauren Boebert having some fun at a date. Um, But I have seen some funny memes come out of it, of course. Uh, On social media, uh, somebody was auctioning a... (laughs) Somebody was auctioning uh, a seat (laughs) next to Congresswoman Boebert at the next um, uh, State of the Union. <laughs> the bid was $400,000. <laughs> it's probably not a bad idea for a fundraiser. But my thoughts are this. Who cares? I mean, honestly, uh, it was consensual. Uh, she was on a date. Maybe it was inappropriate behavior for a musical. But look, they were having a nice time. Um, the stuffiness of the left and the right and everybody losing their minds off of this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, it seemed like she was having a nice time. But my favorite piece of criticism comes from none other, and I've bleeped out the bad language here, guys, none other than shock jock Howard Stern. Gabe, if you have the cut, it's going to be cut too. Lauren Boebert is a disgrace to this country, not because of the video. You are 100% right. Forget the politics. She's in a uh, tit dress. If you saw the video, she's in a tit dress. She's with some dude. Looks like she's... You know, obviously vaping, but also looks like she might be grabbing his pee during uh, Beetlejuice. And uh... yeah, so that's Howard Stern. He's repulsed. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He's repulsed at Lauren Boebert's behavior because, you know, it's offensive to him. Uh, And then somebody said this earlier. But honestly, a, a guy who literally made his career off of being a pervert is criticizing Lauren Boebert, calling her a disgrace, compared to the things he does on his own show. But this, I mean, is the insanity, by the way, of the left. And Howard Stern, I don't know how. I guess it was COVID, but now he's far left. And this is the type of hypocrisy. Like, you guys can't do what we do or else we criticize you. Um, So anyway, it's just a nice example of liberal liberal hypocrisy for you. Um, I'm going to take a quick break real quick. And when I come back, there's a couple of things I'm going to wrap up for you. But then I need to get into the spending fight that's coming up, too. So lots to talk about. Hopefully no more technical issues. So don't go anywhere. The David Pollack Show will be right back. 
seems Florida is a popular place to live these days, but do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right, as popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more, which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn green and your home bug free, call Protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at ProtexLawn.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-X-Lawn.com. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. <laughs> I don't have, in this fancy studio, I have no way of uh, seeing Gabe, so I actually have him over here on FaceTime, and I see him dancing in this little screen, and I think he's, uh, I think he forgot to tell me to go on air. I wore he just wanted to hear the song longer. We, yeah, keep discoing out there, Gabe. It's all good. You can enjoy yourself. <laughs> so uh, before I get into the spending uh, fight, because I definitely want to cover that because that's what's going on. Oh, he's, he's, I think he's still doing disco back there. <laughs> oh, nice platform shoes. Uh, so you've heard of Dude, Where's My Car? Uh, apparently, the United States government lost uh, an F 35 uh, stealth fighter. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the point, right? They're supposed to be invisible. But um, apparently there was some issues. Uh, a pilot had to eject. Uh, you know what? Let's let the news people tell you, and then I'll give you my take on it. This is cut three, Gabe. Let's see how you do when you're not discoing. But we begin tonight with breaking news. Military officials say they're responding to a, quote, mishap involving an F-35 fighter jet. Officials say the pilot of an F-35 Lightning II ejected from the jet and landed safely. But the search is on now for the missing F-35. They don't know where it is and are asking the public for help. Publicly available flight data shows SLED flying over Lake Moultrie near Charleston. If you know anything, call Joint Base Charleston at 843 843- Nine six three thirty six hundred. Maybe we should try putting the F thirty five on the back of a milk carton. I mean, seriously, the United States government is asking the public to help them find their missing jet. I, something's up here, guys. I look. I don't know. There is no way. No way that we don't have a tracking beacon on this thing. Like. And this was in America. I mean, this is in South Carolina they lost it. I don't know what SLED means, but they lost it. <laughs> and after, a, stealth is, a stealth fighter is missing. So, uh, you know, it's a $80 million uh, stealth fighter, and it's gone. 
you know, if you have any information, <laughs> contact somebody. Hey, guys, I found this stealth fighter. Do you think it's maybe flying around by itself? Um, but this is what's going on, and uh, this is where we are. We can literally fly a rocket ship autonomously uh, to planets, um, but we can't find a $80 million aircraft. So anyway, speaking of wasting money, there's a huge, huge fight going on right now in Washington, D.C. And uh, basically, it's a fight that's been brewing for a long time. If you remember, first, it was the speaker fight when, you know, Kevin McCarthy, there were a lot of people, especially in the Freedom Caucus, were like, eh, I'm not sure if we li- if this is our guy. Um, but then, uh, you know, he gets in. There's all these provisions set and the way they were going to do f- appropriations. And... The, you know, things hadn't really been going that way. Then it was the debt ceiling fight, if you remember. And on the debt ceiling fight, basically, the Republicans just gave it all away. They're like, hey, you know what? Why fight about the debt ceiling when we can just not have one at all? So they literally just didn't even have a debt ceiling anymore, Republicans. Uh, now they're fighting over a, the spending bill. Now, mind you, there's 12 appropriations bills that they need to figure out, right? Uh and they haven't been able to do that yet. So now uh, Kevin McCarthy is proposing a short-term spending bill to avert a government shutdown that will that would occur on October 31st. Now, the key factions in the House is the Freedom Caucus and then the Main Street Caucus, which is ironic because Main Street Caucus are the ones who want this extension, and it doesn't seem like they're connected to the mainstream at all because the mainstream— of this party certainly says shut it down. Go over social media. You'll see it everywhere. Shut it down. When the left is in charge, they would have shut it down. They would have blamed Republicans. Now when the Republicans are in charge, they're not going to shut it down because they're worried they're going to get blamed. Guys, what is the reason the the American people gave you the majority? Well, so you can start leading. And you know, the two big items right now that they're fighting over, it, it, there's an H.R. 1 and H.R. 2, or H.B. 1, H. I forget what they call it. The first bill and the second bill of this Congress. One of them is to close the border, or at least to stop the flow of illegal aliens across the border, or migrants, or whatever you're calling them. And, uh, you know, they're putting this in this short-term bill to kind of coerce uh, certain Freedom Caucus members to come on board. Like, hey— We'll we'll pass this legislation to seal up the border if you go along with this with this short term resolution. Um, of course, they were trying to slip Ukraine money in there. They got that to go away, but you know, a lot of a lot of uh, the Republicans are not buying it. They're saying, you know what, um, enough is enough. Um, and four remember four votes can tank this whole thing, and it doesn't look like it's going to pass. Um, I know I've spoken personally to Congressman Corey Mills from CD7, your local representative here. He's a no on it right now unless something changes because um, it doesn't include – well, it's kind of complicated, but essentially it's like this. The Republicans want spending cuts. They've promised spending cuts. The government has been spending out of control since COVID. What's in the package right now and what Byron Donalds was referring to, an 8 percent cut, it's an 8 percent cut. To the spending, COVID-era spending, which is already inflated. What Congressman Mills and others have been advocating for is an 8% or or a cut 
to going back to pre-COVID spending with an additional amount to cover for the cost of, for the increase of inflation. It's reasonable. We have a spending problem in this country. Republicans and Democrats seem to be drunk with spending. We got $32.9 trillion in, in debt. And we can't go back to pre-COVID spending with, with adjustments to inflation. Mind you, energy has gone up. Gas prices are going up. Joe Biden just canceled um, a bunch of Arctic drilling licenses. Saudi Arabia and Russia are joining up to make oil prices more expensive. And your gas prices have never been higher. So when we're talking about these appropriations, why aren't we looking at something like H.R. 1? That's, that, that guarantees low-cost energy. We need to start producing domestically. Or H.R. 2, sealing up the border. Why wouldn't we shut down the government if we can't come to a deal with Democrats on making your energy cheaper and stopping the migrant crisis across the border? If you see what's happening in New York right now, 110,000 migrants have arrived in New York since the spring of 2022. That's when, uh, you know, when uh, Governor Abbott from Texas was like, well, if you, if you want a sanctuary city, you got one. And they and started shipping people to New York. 60,000 of them are currently housed in shelters. Even Mayor Eric Adams in New York is saying that I don't see an ending to this crisis and it's going to destroy the city. And New Yorkers are sick of it, too. Gabe, you've cut four already. I want you to hear what's going on in New York. And the AOC was they were touring these shelters. And uh, AOC was at a press conference, and, and look what happened. This is in New York. This We're is cut incredibly thrilled and excited to be here in order to make sure that we are joined by the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, <laughs> as well as several other members from across the United States. They're chanting, well, send them back. We saw where our children, families, people that want to work, people that are fleeing violence, people that are... Environmental disasters. We the see environmental so many global warming is causing people to come across manifest the itself here. So, people in New York are sick of this, right? They're tired of it. They have people pouring across the border, filling up the hotels and shelters, sometimes schools in New York City, and they're tired of it. And yet, their representatives just have their fingers in their ears. Republicans, are you paying attention? Democrats in New York are protesting <laughs> against AOC because they're getting sick of the migrant crisis. So do you think if you shut down the government, forcing the Democrats to take this head on and say, look, we are not doing anything until we go and talk about this H.R. 2, the sealing the border, until we do something to stop this. Because guess what? The people in, quote-unquote, Main Street, they know what's going on. The Demo it, 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 Look, I get it. The fake news isn't going to cover it. I'm going to call them the propaganda press. The propaganda press is going to cover the blame Republicans. But you know what? The people get it. The people are getting sick of this. You hear it in New York. The other thing is gas prices, energy prices. Everybody knows that it's getting more expensive to heat and cool your house, Democrats and Republicans. Everybody knows how expensive it is to fill up your gas tank. Everybody knows how long you have to wait in line to charge your electric car. And everybody knows how expensive they are. And what most people don't know, and they need to know, 
is if you thought relying on our enemies in the Middle East for oil was a good idea, 70% of the raw materials needed to make those batteries in the electric cars come from China. Americans need to know this. And if Republicans are willing to shut down the government, to shut it down, to force a discussion to make energy cheaper, I think Americans would appreciate that, Democrats and Republicans. So here are the congressmen right now that are opposing this. Andy Biggs, Dan Bishop, Lauren Boebert, Beetlejuice, Ken Buck, Tim Burchett, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Corey Mills, and others. Way more than the number needed to stop this. Now, here's the crazy part about all of this, by the way. Even after these spending bills passed the House, they have to go to the Senate. So even if the Freedom Caucus and those who are taking a stand on the right get their way, the reality is the Senate's not going to accept half of this. But you know what? At least it'll be on them, the Democrat-controlled Senate. So what I would say to Republicans, and we could pick this up after the break, what I would say to Republicans is shut it down. Pass what the American people are asking you to pass. Send it to the Senate and let a Democrat-controlled Senate and an absent-minded Mitch McConnell take the blame while you guys do what the American people sent you to either do. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this, and I have to talk about Trump talking about abortion. It's got everybody all stirred up. So don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. Dave Pollock will be right back. Visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultants specializes in citizens insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. <laughs> Gabe is really helping himself to the David Pollock show soundtrack, the best soundtrack in all of talk radio. Before I get back into it, guys, I need uh, to remind you, uh, if you're not going to beardvet.com and getting yourself some of the best not-woke coffee you can buy, you need to go and do that. With promo code DAVID, you get 10% off. A portion of the proceeds go to take care of veteran organizations, and, and they really give lots of money to these organizations. So when you go and get their great coffee or beard oils or apparel or mugs and tumblers, uh, you're not just getting great products. You're also taking care of veterans. So um, make sure you go to beardvet.com and use code uh, DAVID, my name, uh, so you can get 10% off. So make sure you guys go and do that and uh, get yourself some good coffee and support a great cause. Um, getting right back uh, into it, um, and I'm going to wrap up this point and then I'm going to move on. But essentially, guys, this is what's going on here, okay? The Republicans finally have a chance to stand up 
and do what the American people sent them to Washington, D.C. to do. I'm hopeful that they're going to hear it. I know Byron Donalds was out on Twitter talking about why he was supporting, um, you know, he, he was going to support the spending because he, li- he liked the 8% cut in spending and all that. But the comments you should read on his social media post about it, it was comment after comment after comment. Shut it down. Shut it down. No, no, no. Shut it down. Shut it down. The people are ready for a change, and they're ready for Republicans to start standing up. Look, I don't care. You guys will get blamed for no matter what, they're going to blame you for whatever. It's fake news. It's fake news for a reason. So stop trying to hide um, from criticism because that's what the Republicans have done forever. They're so worried that the news is going to be mean to them that they go out of their way to, 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 to avoid the criticism. Stop worrying what the media is going to say about you. Stop worrying about what Democrats are going to say about you and start worrying about what the people who put you in office to do think about you. Because those are your voters, those are your constituents, and they are demanding, demanding that things change. Seal the border. Bring down energy prices. Stop the ridiculous spending. Investigate Hunter Biden. Investigate Joe Biden. Impeach him if you have to. Do what becomes necessary Because that's what the people are sending you to Washington to do. There's a handful of congressional uh, members that get it right now. um, And uh, we'll see what happens. But the fight is looming. So just stay tuned and we will see what happens there. Um, I want to move on now um, to something that happened uh, in a recent interview. And, um, of course, this has everybody upset because um, Trump— was speaking on the issue of abortion. And what happened? Um, He said something that has every... Well, you listen for yourself. Gabe, this is going to be cut five. Um, This is Donald Trump. A federal ban landed on your desk if you were re-elected. Would you sign it at 15 Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people people are starting to think of 15 weeks that seems to be a number that people are talking about right now would you sign that uh, uh, i would i would sit down with both sides and i'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years uh, i'm not going to say i would or i wouldn't i mean DeSantis is, w- is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban would you support that you think I, that i goes think what far? he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake but we'll come up with a number but at the same time, Democrats won't be able to go out in six months, seven months, eight months and allow an abortion. Mr. President, when you talk about negotiating, I think a lot of people cut it there, Gabe. think to themselves, this is an issue that they... So that is the line right there that's got every... You know, the criticism of Ron DeSantis for the six-week abortion ban. Now, a lot of people um, are upset about this, and they're like, Trump isn't pro-life. Um, but what Trump says... Is it, now, there's two theories here, okay, and I'm going to go over both of them with you. The first theory is Donald Trump is being politically smart. Um, Ron DeSantis has been criticizing, or at least his campaign, has been criticizing Trump about COVID. Arguably, that was a weak moment for the president. Uh, maybe why he didn't win re-election. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, 81 million people love Joe Biden. But... Um, so what what DeSantis people have been doing is basically saying, hey, uh, you guys remember how bad Trump was during COVID? 
Well, remember when the red wave that wasn't happened? This was when um, Governor DeSantis passed the six-week, post-six-week abortion ban in Florida. Now, mind you, there was the Dobbs, Dobbs, Dodds decision, uh, the one that overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, This came out and essentially said that it states, and it was based on a 15-week ban out of Texas, by the way, not a six-week ban, 15 weeks. This was the case that came up through the Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade. By the way, it overturned Roe v. Wade because Trump appointed the conservative justices that said they were pro-life. So Trump appoints the justices. The justices hear Roe v. Wade. And after 50-something years, the power goes back to the states based on a 15-week abortion ban. Now, Florida goes six weeks. This gets a lot of people upset. Now, look, if you're out there and you're 100% pro-life, I hear you. I get it. We're not—I'm not talking here. I'm not trying to convince anybody when life begins or when you should or shouldn't have an abortion. What I'm trying to tell you is that when Ron DeSantis did six weeks— And Republicans around the country were unable to articulate their position. Instead, they were on defense from the Democrats accusing them of banning abortion. It hurt us in the midterm elections because a large segment, whether the Republicans or NPAs or even Democrats that would vote Republicans, that was the issue for them. It was abortion. They thought Republicans were going too far. And Trump says this, Gabe. I think this is cut six or cut seven, actually. Can you take cut seven for me, Gabe? Because I think the Republicans speak very inarticulately about this subject. I watched some of them without the exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. I said, other than certain parts of the country, you can't you're not going to win on this issue, but you will win on this issue when you come up with the right number of weeks because. So that's um, that is, you know, Trump talking about something that is exactly what I what what Republicans have been saying. It's and that's and, and let me back up real quick. And. Um, so Donald Trump, I'm sorry, I got distracted by some Corey, Congressman Corey Mills is calling in here in just a second. So we're going to get back and get an update on the uh, spending um, debate. So. Stay tuned for that in just a second. I'll try to finish up this point quickly while waiting for him to call in. Um, Remember when every all the Republicans were like, yeah, Ron DeSantis over Trump. Trump can't you know, Trump can't beat Biden. DeSantis can. Let me remind you, besides what the polls say, that Trump can actually beat Biden is more likely to beat Biden. And DeSantis is going in the opposite direction. This issue, this 15 weeks versus six weeks versus a total ban. This is the issue, by the way, that is more that will get voters to vote for Trump over Biden. So, uh, you know, it's funny enough that the the Republicans want to criticize Trump for this, but he puts forward an issue uh, that I think is actually smart politically, regardless of of what it means. And, And again, I'm not taking a position on the abortion issue, but what I'm telling you is Trump's being clever. He's trying to pit DeSantis in a corner. And at the same time, he's trying to appeal to moderates and and in the center and even some on the left in the general election. He's pivoting to the general because he knows he's going to win the primaries. Trump is being smart, whether you're mad at him or not. I'm going to go to Congressman Corey Mills is on the David Pollack Show. Welcome, Corey Mills. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. Congressman, thank you so much. Now, during the first half of the show, I talked about the fight that you're leading, uh, among others, to tell Republicans that it's time that we do what the, the American people sent us to uh, Washington, D.C. to do. And... Um, and I know you're leading the fight, and I'm, I know our listeners are interested to know uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now, and then what's what's inspiring you to take this stance um, against the out-of-control spending? Well, look, the American people is what inspired me, my constitutional job and responsibility to be a steward of the taxpayer's money. The fact that I'm tired of watching D.C. make backroom deals that cost the American people more money and saddle our future generations with more debt, knowing that it's unsustainable, knowing that... If you ask any American the simple question, which is that, how, if I'm in debt, how do I get out of it? I can tell you that their answer is not to spend more. But that seems to be the typical D.C. dance. And you're not addressing the key issues, which is how do we invert our GDP to national debt ratio? How do we actually start onshoring jobs, address workforce shortage issues, start looking at our energy security, start securing our border, but also start building out the industrial base so that we can, again, uh, simple mathematics, right? So as a business owner, you get to a stage that you can't cut your way to profitability. The only way that you get ahead as a business owner is that you win more work, you win more contracts, you build more revenue, and it's the simple concept of my account receivables have to be bigger than my account payable. We are not doing that in D.C. And the fact that they're still calling this a cut, let me give you the simple mathematics. I'm not going to talk opinion on this. I'm not going to talk about the fact that they don't have an economic growth strategy. I'm not going to talk about the fact that most Americans right now have less money in their pocket and goods are far far more expensive now than they've ever been before. Let's look at physical year 19, which is pre-COVID spending levels. We were at $1.24 trillion. If you do an average 3.5% increase per year, you're talking about from 2020 at 1.287, 2021 at 1.332, 2022 at 1.379, 2023 at 1.427, and this year's spending would be at $1.477 trillion, which is exactly where our Limit Save Grow bill was at 1.471, but that included 23 permit reforms to help grow the economy. That included the RAINS Act to stop federal overregulation. That included our ability to try and go ahead and stop the DOJ from their weaponization by defunding areas and defunding the entire 87,000 IRS agents. That was a bill which showed fiscal responsibility plus 1.2 trillion in rescission. And instead, right now, you've got a government who has failed to do their job to put appropriation bills, 12 appropriation bills on the table that show, true, that show true cuts. And what are they looking to spend? Here's what they're spending. Where we should be at a max of 1.477 in spending, they're looking to spend around $1.75, $1.8 trillion, and then tell everyone else that it's an 8% cut across the board. And out of all this idea that we want to stop the weaponization of DOJ, here's the reality. They're cutting a whopping $5.717 billion. That's it. And then they're going to try and tell everybody, oh, but we added $42 billion to DHS for border security. Oh, we added $220 billion to DOD for national defense. Oh, we added Milcon VA at $240 billion. Okay, that's all great, but you haven't addressed the issue of actually cutting the abuse of spending that has gone on, whether it's under the Department of Education, whether it's under the DOJ and the weaponization. Not to mention that this 30-day CR, what does it do? It continues to fund the weaponization of things like special counsel Jack Smith to continue his investigations against President Trump and continue to spend taxpayers' money on things that we aren't actually involved for. So I'm tired of being put on the outskirts 
and told as a freshman that we're not included in the negotiation piece. Well, if I'm not included in the negotiations and you're not willing to go to pre-COVID spending levels, then I'm a hard no, and I'll stay at a hard no because my job and my responsibility is to help build the economy, secure our borders, get to national security. And let me just add one quick thing. The idea that they're trying to sweeten the deal with this CR, which is not a good deal, and they're trying to say, oh, but we're adding HR2 minus E-Verify. Why would I sign on for HR2 minus E-Verify, a diluted, watered-down bill that's a policy rider on a CR? When we passed HR2 in its current form with E-Verify as a standalone bill, we're watering and diluting the bill down already ourselves without Democrat involvement or Senate involvement. It's nonsense, and that's why I won't subscribe to it, and I'll continue to whip votes against it. You, you know, that, that brings up an excellent question that I had here. This is a spending bill. There's 12 appropriations. We need to fund the government. Why are they trying to tie uh, the, the the energy and the border to spending bills, almost like they're dangling an incentive to get uh, representatives to vote um, a, like for bad financial policies just to have them be able to pass legislation that we should be doing anyway with the majorities we have, right? We said in January that we were not going to do the very things the Democrats do by having all these policy riders where you put good policy and bad policy together, and then it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you vote on it. I said a long time ago that I'm not going to play the center D.C. games, and that's why I was elected was to come up here and to shake things up to get it back to true constitutionality. And the reality is that we said in January, right before the speaker's vote, that we would have 12 appropriation bills, that we would get the closest that we could to single-point legislation with germaneness, and that we would actually be physically responsible, which is exactly what we were doing for six months up to the month of June. We had passed H.R. 1, the Low Cost Energy Act, H.R. 2, the most conservative uh, border bill that we ever had was Secure the Border Act. We passed H.R. 5, which is the Parental Bill of Rights. We passed H.R. 21, which would actually have stopped the president, its capabilities of draining our special petroleum reserves. All of these things were good conservative bills, and we were on the right track to build our economy and cut our spending. And lo and behold, a bad deal rolls out after LSG passes, after we're winning the messaging strategy, and the leadership in many cases collapsed, and they failed in their negotiation. We brought something that had a $1.471 trillion spending cap. Now there's no spending cap and only a date. We had 23 permit reforms. The FRA has four permit reforms. Granted, one of them is the Builders Act, which is actually pretty good. And then we tried to say that we were going to then take the bite to the appropriations bills. We haven't done that. When you look at that combined 12 total that is currently at 1.74, and oh, by the way, not all members of Congress are having seen all the 12 appropriations bills because they're still holding them, and they're wanting us to kick this CR. If they knew that we were that far behind, the September 30 date, is not some big secret that it's like a floating holiday. We know when our bills are due every single year. And if we weren't actually up to par and being able to get that done, then we shouldn't have taken the entire month of August off and half of September. We should have stayed here day in and day out to do our damn job, which is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. You're 100% right. And it's almost like they do this every year on purpose. They wait till the last minute just so Republicans start panicking. And then they go and shove all this pork in these bills. And then hurry up, let's pass it because we don't want to do a shutdown because, you know, that'll that'll hurt us with, with, with Democrats and the media. And then they shove in all this garbage and they never get here. We actually have a chance to stand up. And say, you know what? No, let's pass these 12 separate appropriations bills. Let's pass the HB1 and HB2, and then let's move on and send it to the Senate. And it could die there, but at least the House has done their job, right? 
My job is not to worry about the responsibility of 100 senators. My job is to be one of 435 and fight for the American people here in the House of Representatives. I don't concern myself with the 61 votes in the Senate. I'll do my damn job, and they can go do their damn job. And if they don't, then the American people should vote them out and put someone in who will. Absolutely. Corey Mills, Congressman Corey Mills, um, we are so glad that you're up there fighting for us. Guys, I hope you hear what Congressman Mills is saying, because what he is saying right now is what you should demand that all of your representatives see. I'm lucky that he's my congressman here in CD7. But if you're listening outside of CD7 and your congressman does not sound like this, you need a new congressman or a congressperson or a congresswoman or whatever because this is the fight that they should be taking to Washington. This is what you've been demanding, and I'm honored, Congressman Mills, to have you as my representative, and thank you so much for fighting for me and fighting for everyone in this district and fighting for all of America. This is a fight worth having. So thank you so much, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be able to serve. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we have Gavin Wax on the line, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this spending, and we're going to talk about Trump's abortion comments and the fight within the Republican Party. Lots to do in the last nine minutes of the show, so don't go anywhere. David Pollock Show will be right back. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Hey friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Topper's is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Topper's Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to Tell him David sent you. We've come a long way from where we began. Welcome back to the final segment, last seven minutes and 57 seconds of another exciting David Pollock show. Um, guys, again, I just want to echo. Um, what Congressman Mills was saying, and he's up there to fight for you guys, demand the fight, because this is what the American people have been asking for. This is why the American people love Trump. But don't take my word for it. I want to introduce my next guest, um, Gavin Wax. He's a New York-based conservative activist, commentator, columnist. He does everything. He's opera. He's uh, authoring a upcoming book called The Emerging Populist Majority. Um, you can pre-order it now if you go to, I think it's GavinWax.com. I'll let him tell you in just a second here. He's also the executive director of the National Constitution. Law Union, and he's the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club, one of the coolest and best clubs in the country, one of the oldest as well. So, Gavin, welcome to the David Pollock Show. 
David, it's great to be on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the great introduction. And you are correct. You can pre-order the book at GavinWax.com and hit shelves uh, this uh, upcoming January 2024, a great year uh, to release a, uh, a political book. Yeah, any year is great, but yes, absolutely. And guys, when you go to GavinWax.com, check out his articles and, and, and everything there. Uh, I don't think you understand how brilliant this man is. Um, he gets it, and he the way he writes and the, his takes on things is exactly in line with a lot of what I know my listeners think. So check this guy out. Uh, we're getting the pitch out of the way at the beginning, right? So, <laughs> so let's... Um... You sounded like my Jewish grandma there. I loved it. Thank you. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, you know, Rosh Hashanah is just, you know, just concluded here. So, um, All right. So uh, today is, by the way, I'm going to go on a, a, a rabbit hole. Today's just been a crazy show. We started with technical problems. Then we got into the swing area of things. Then Congressman Mills was able to free up a few minutes of a time. So I threw him on. I was running late. And it's like I'm all I'm all Meshuggah over here, but I'm getting it together <laughs> in the last six minutes of the show. But um, I want to ask you now, I was playing some audio clips earlier about what Trump said about abortion, and also we talked about the spending. And I've been talking about the infighting, but I don't really view it as infighting. I've said this before, and then I'm going to shut up and let you talk. But I've said that the Republican Party doesn't have rhinos, and, and Carl Jackson says this too. The Republican Party has conservatives and Republicans, and that's the fight that's happening right now. It's the America First wing of the Republican Party, the conservatives, the true conservatives, and then you have the Republicans that conservatives just call rhino, but they're doing exactly what we expect Republicans to do, the thing we thought we got rid of when we elected Trump. So now here we are fighting about spending. What's your take on it? Listen, I, I heard the tail end of your discussion with the congressman, and I think uh, every uh, every year, every cycle, every election campaign, we hear the same thing. They're going to go to Washington. They're going to Fuck the establishment, fuck the beltway, you know, they're going to bring change, they're going to cut spending, whatever it is. And then they go there and they vote like whoever it is they, re- they replaced, whether Democrat or Republican, they vote like the uni party. And I think a lot of people are becoming in- extremely jaded by this because it seems like no matter how many elections we win, uh, we, we keep seeing the same old come out of D.C. And uh, this is true uh, of many Republicans. And, and we've seen many betrayals over the years by many, you know, supposed stalwarts on these issues. And it's becoming – it's leading to a lot of apathy, I think, in the base because, you know, we'll, we'll get out, we'll show up, we'll get these people elected, but the system keeps on grinding away, and it's a, it's a shame to see. And I think uh, our problems run very deep, uh, and they're not going to be fixed in any one cycle. Uh, this is all about incrementalism at the end of the day, which is something we're going to talk about as it pertains to the abortion issue. You, you kind of, uh, you know, let, let on with it with uh, Trump's latest comments. But, you know, that's my take, and I think that's the take of many people who are viewing this uh, – this stuff unfold in D.C. right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people and if you look at any of the comments on social media or if you talk to any of your neighbors, then nobody's upset if the government shuts down, you know, uh, if we can't – what if, if investigations from the FBI are not going to be funded for a little while, I mean that would be OK. If Jack Smith can't indict Trump a fifth time uh, because the government shut down, I think we'd be OK with that. But let's talk about the abortion thing real quick, and I got about three minutes left in the show. Um, but guys, um, real quick, we always have a post-show Twitter space at The Pollock Show. Um, Gavin's going to be there. Congressman Mills is going to be there. So we're going to continue this conversation. So if you want to hear more, um, just at 8.30. 
8.30 p.m. Go to Twitter X if you have it and go to at The Pollock Show and you'll see a link for the space. We're going to have this conversation more. Um, but I want to talk about, about this abortion thing real quick because my take on it is Trump's starting to pivot and, and he's starting to campaign for the general. And we know that DeSantis – and it, so it's a twofer. DeSantis's weakest moment and what killed us in the House was, you know, the stricter sort of abortion rules because the left was so good at marketing it. And at the same time, Trump is starting to appeal uh, to the broader base for the generals, what he's trying to do. So it's a twofer. He gets to ding DeSantis and he gets to sort of pivot to the general. What do you think about his comments? Are you concerned? Well, look, I'll preface by saying I'm personally very pro-life. And uh, my view on the abortion issue is that we need to fight uh, to limit it whenever possible, wherever it's feasible. And feasible is the key word here. And it's the word that President Trump understands. He understands that this is an issue that needs to be approached delicately, it needs to be approached pragmatically, and that while we are fighting uh, at the state level, at the national level, to move things in the right direction, as he did with the repeal of Roe v. Wade, uh, we also have to understand that a six-week ban that happened in Florida is not exactly palpable uh, to a national electorate. And uh, if we push it too far in places that it's simply not, a, it's not supported, we're going to have political repercussions and pushback. So we need to be strategic about this. I think President Trump gets this. He has the best approach to the abortion issue of any Republican. Uh, he's not trying to pass a purity test. He's trying to actually get results. And we had 50 years of a movement that wasn't able to achieve the repeal of Roe v. Wade. And supposedly the liberal uh, you know, Democrat from New York City, uh, in this case, they like to refer to pejoratively uh, Donald Trump as, he was actually able to get this result uh, where many former conservative stalwarts uh, were not able to. Uh, so I think a lot of things need to be put into perspective. And I think strategically for this campaign, electorally, uh, his interview was great. I mean, like you said, he was able to pivot to the general. He's trying to make abortion not an issue in 2024 because it's not exactly a winning issue. But once we're in power, once we're in a position of power, once we win majorities, we can actually advance this issue. But we need to be strategic. We need to be tactful. And that's what President Trump is doing here. Absolutely. Uh, Gavin Wax, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm out of time already. It was an exciting show. We're going to continue this conversation um, in this Twitter space, guys, so go and check it out. And hopefully, Gavin, I can have you back on the show and we can have a much longer conversation because there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about. And I just didn't have time today, so i got to have you back because there's a lot more we need to talk about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And, guys, make sure you go check out GavinWax.com um, for the book and for the articles and all the other information. Thank you so much for being on the show, Gavin. Guys, um, I'm out of time, but um, basically this is it. I'm not making a morality judgment here or anything like that. What you guys have to understand um, is that Trump gets elected uh, on a position that's palpable, um, as uh, Gavin said, to the American electorate. And then when he wins, we can do things that protects life. If Donald Trump loses, what the Democrats want is far, far worse. So just keep that in mind before you get upset and think that Trump is being immoral and this abortion is a moral issue. Uh, we have to get Donald Trump elected or else, you know, 15 weeks would be begging for it if the Democrats had their way. Guys, I'm out of time. I got to go. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Monday. Take care, everyone. Just to do your thing.